I'd like for you to turn your Bibles this morning to uh, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19. We'll begin reading with verse 1. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the comeback, and we've considered Moses and David and Manasseh uh, last week, and this week, it's a little different. It's still a comeback, but I want to read you a story that most of you, well, most of you my age know this story. I'm not certain if we sing this little song anymore, but... uh, I'm going to read you the story, and then we'll go from there. I will do my best not to sing you any songs, all right? So Luke 19 and verse 1. The scripture says this, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Let me just say that again. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you bless your word. We ask that you take this narrative and help us to see great truth from it. We thank you for who you are and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's the story of Zacchaeus. There it is. You know it, right? Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the first I'm going to say a, a first line, and you're going to tell me what comes next. All right? Let's work together here. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. All right, that's good. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said... For I'm going to your house today. Okay, that's the message. Let's pray and go home. No, no, no. You know the story. You know the song. And you know, this seems like it's it. It seems like that's it. But Zacchaeus' story is a different kind of comeback. It just feels different, doesn't it? We talk about Moses. Moses was living like royalty. He said, I will deliver my people. He loses his self-control, kills a man, and everything changes. We understand that 
Failure is not the end of the story. But Moses' failure sure seems different, doesn't it? David. David's living as the king. I am the king of my people. He looks off the rooftop. He lusts after a beautiful woman. He sins in his mind, then sins in his body. Commits adultery, and then murders, causes to have her husband killed. This feels different too, doesn't it? This feels different than Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And then Manasseh. Manasseh, he was given the kingdom of his father. You know what's interesting about Manasseh? The interesting thing to me is that his father, Hezekiah, was a good godly man, good godly king. But it came time, the message came to Hezekiah. And God said to him, said, um, through the prophet, he said, get your house in order because you're going to die. That's a tough message to hear, isn't it? He said, get your house in order because your time on this earth is done. And Manasseh said, Lord, give me some more time. Give me 15 more years. Give me some more time. And God gave him. God gave him 15 more years. You know what I find interesting? It was during that 15 years of extra time that Manasseh was born. Manasseh was one of the most wicked kings that the southern kingdom ever had. You say, what's the point? I don't know. Sometimes when you get what you want, you may not use what God gives you in a way that's most significant. But I know that Manasseh went on to be king. And as David felt like he was king and he said, I'll deliver, or Moses said, I'll deliver my people. And David said, I'm the king of my people. Manasseh basically said, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And he was a wicked man. Uh, he was, he reintroduced idolatry again. Second uh, Kings says that uh, he shed innocent blood very much. So we have these three fellows. One sort of got ahead of God, found himself making a huge mistake and um, killing a man. See, David was involved with murder, involved with adultery. Manasseh was involved with uh, idolatry and murder, all kinds of wicked stuff. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord. He wanted to see. It just feels different, doesn't it? It just doesn't feel the same. The comeback, it's like we don't even recognize Zacchaeus necessarily as a comeback. We look at him and say, what's he coming back from? We look at it, and it just feels different. We don't sing little happy ditties about Moses. Moses was a powerful man, and he lived in Egypt land. Then one day, he killed a man and buried him in the sand. We don't sing that song to two- and three-year-olds. It just feels different, doesn't it? Zacchaeus' story is a different kind of comeback because it was a different kind 
a failure. It looks different to us. Now, I'm going to show you some things. Uh, when I first started preaching, I listened to an old preacher. He says, this is what you have to do when you preach. He said, you tell them what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. So I'm sort of going to follow that uh, this morning to a degree. But I want us to look at this different kind of failure. And Zacchaeus had a different kind of frailty. And everything was different for him except for the need. And the need was the same. And I want to get to that part because I want you to see that though your life may look very different than someone else's, and though your failure may seem to be different, and maybe it doesn't even seem to be on the same level, this is sort of how I see Zacchaeus. I want you to know that the need was very much the same. What Zacchaeus needed from Christ was every bit as much forgiveness as Moses needed and as David needed, and certainly Manasseh. So I want to look at his failure, though. In order to look at his failure, I have to read this verse again. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. He was rich. You know what? Zacchaeus' failure looks like success. Doesn't look like Moses' murder. Doesn't look like David's adultery. Doesn't look like Manasseh's idolatry. Zacchaeus' failure looks like success. Matter of fact, he had the life that many, even many today, wish they had. Are you with me? Just nod your head. It's good for the neck muscles. Yeah, okay. He was rich. He had the life that many wished he had. But his life was still a failure. It was different. It felt different. And it looks different. But it was still a failure. The issue was not him being rich. Okay? Matter of fact, if any of y'all are rich and you want to give some money to Greater Beckley Christian School, we'll take it, all right? So, but it's, it's not, that's not the issue. The issue is... What does your failure look like? You see, his failure was, the, the other fellows that we've looked at, it was a moral failure right off the bat, and you could see it, and you could identify it, and you knew it was wrong, right? When I talk about murder, you know it's wrong. I talk about idolatry, you know it's wrong. I talk about adultery, no one has to tell you it's wrong, right? You know it's wrong. But, Zacchaeus' thing was a little different. Zacchaeus' failure was an ethical issue. His failure was an ethical failure. He chose to see things from a very relative position. We live in a day and age where relativism is very popular. Making your choices and making your decisions about what is right and wrong because of how it affects you or who benefits the most and do you benefit or does the majority benefit. There's all kinds of ethical systems out there. And I'll tell you, as a believer, you need to be able to know why you believe what you believe and have a consistent with the Word of God. 
Because the actions that you're going to come up with are going to be very much like Zacchaeus' issues. Zacchaeus, the end result looked really good. The end result looked like he had everything in line. And only certain people that knew him or knew what he was about recognized that failure. But his failure was also a personal failure. He lost sight of who he should have been. Who he should have been. Now, I I want to explain that to you. You see, Zacchaeus, he he was an Israelite. An Israelite indeed. He was a son of Abraham, is what Jesus would call him. But what he did, he, for whatever reason, and I don't know the reason, but for whatever reason, he turned somewhat against his people to benefit himself. He was a publican. He was a tax, matter of fact, he was the chief publican. He was a tax collector. And he was hired by the Roman government to gain taxes from his own people. This is a great position. Matter of fact, some would not see him as a sinner near as much as they'd see him as a good businessman. But within himself, he betrayed who he was. And he began to benefit by taking more than he should have taken. And that's how he became rich. But let me tell you something else about Zacchaeus. I I don't know how old Zacchaeus was here, but I know he was an older fellow that was able to run a business. He collected a lot of money, and he was still able to climb in a tree. All right, So he's not exceptionally old, but he still has a little bit of health on his side. All right, So he's climbing up in this tree. But I'm going to go back a little bit. Because every story... Though we recognize that failure is not the end of the story, every story has a beginning. Every story has a beginning. I look out here, every one of you, your story started somewhere. Am I right? Every one of you. Every one of us, our story starts somewhere. You say, how far back do you want to go? Well, with Zacchaeus, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to go back to this idea that maybe one, this is my, this is what I'm thinking in my mind, that one maybe cold, dark night, this young child, he's short as an adult, so maybe he was a short, squatty, chunky little baby too, I don't know. But I can see his mama holding Zacchaeus. Maybe his dad's there too, and they come in, and they see this gift from God. And you know what mama does? She says, I want him to have the best name possible. She said, I'm going to call him Zacchaeus. It's a good name. You know what it means? It means pure. So mama holds this chunky little baby in her hands and said, I'm going to call you pure. I'm going to call you pure from the day of your birth. This is what my desire is for you. That's a great beginning to a story, isn't it? 
It's a great beginning. Somewhere along the line, something changed. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he didn't like humble beginnings. I don't know if he had humble beginnings. I don't know a, a great deal about Zacchaeus' story. There's a lot of gaps in there. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But what I do know, things started off in a way that his family wanted what was best for him. So we want to see you grow up this way. And every time I call your name, every time I tell you to pick up your toys, every time I tell you to make up your bed, I'm going to call you by name and I'm going to call you pure. Pure. It's time to eat. Pure. It's time to go to bed. That's what she was driving home to him. And somewhere along the line, Zacchaeus made a choice. And his story changed. And people did not see him for what he should have been. They saw him for what they recognized about him. This man's a sinner. He's a cheat. He's a thief. This is who he is. I don't even know why we call him Zacchaeus anymore because he's not pure. You know what? Sometimes you and I know the truth of our little slogan here for the comeback. Failure is not the end of the story. We know that's true. But sometimes people remember you for your failures. All right, let's, let's work together again. Rahab the... Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't say Rahab, the woman that's in the Faith Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. You didn't say that. You said Rahab the harlot. Right? Yeah. We're often remembered for our failures. And that's, that's a tendency of humanity. But Christ will see things differently. You see, his story just feels different because the failure seems different. It's not as pronounced. As a matter of fact, you know what we often do? Have you ever heard anybody say, the gross sins? We try to, we try to identify sins by level. Well, this one's worse than this, and this one's worse than that, and that one's worse than this. Right? You still there? God sees it differently than we do. Now, I understand there are different consequences for different sin, but I can tell you this. All sin is against a holy God. All sin. No matter how you want to categorize it, no matter how you want to look at it, it's all against a holy God. So... All right, so Zacchaeus' story feels a little different. And his failure looks different to us. But I want to show you something else about him that I think might help us a little bit. Verse 3 says, he sought to see Jesus who he was. And he could not for the press. Because he was of little stature. Could not. He sought to see Jesus but could not for the press. You know what we have here? You know, one of the great things about the scripture is that Jesus did all kinds of really cool stuff, all kinds of miracles. And he healed blind people in Jericho. But Zacchaeus had a different kind of blindness. Physical blindness is one thing. 
Physical blindness, you may not be able to recognize people, and you, you may have to use your voice, and you may have to uh, feel along, and you may not be able to see everything that you once could or whatever. Physical blindness is one thing, but here he had a different kind of blindness. He couldn't see Jesus clearly. Why? Scripture says here in the King James, it says because of the press, and really all he's saying is that the crowd kept him from seeing Jesus the way he should have seen him. crowd i know what you're thinking you're thinking well we're not just going to go along with the crowd do whatever they're doing right i know but that's not what that's not what the problem was the problem here you see this is not a doctrinal issue right here what this is this is a very practical issue this is a practical issue that zacchaeus could not see jesus clearly because of the crowd. What was the problem with the crowd? They were the right crowd. They were the crowd with Jesus, right? They were you. They were you. This, this Sunday morning, all across Beckley and all across Raleigh County, we've got folks that are in the right crowd worshiping Jesus, right? The crowd, it, it looks just like you. They were, going, they were the right crowd going in the right direction. Zacchaeus still couldn't see Jesus. You know what? That's a real problem. And that may be us too. Maybe. Your story's a little bit more like Zacchaeus than what you think. Maybe you're walking with the right crowd and going in the right direction. And you even have a desire to see Jesus. But something is keeping you from doing it. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me there? He couldn't see because of the press. Now, even though it was the right crowd going in the right direction, it still kept him from seeing Jesus clearly. He had to get past the crowd, and it had to become personal. It's never real until it's personal. If I were to say to you, or if you were to say to me, I just got a message that your third cousin's great aunt, twice removed, just passed away. How do you think I'll feel? I might not even know who that person is. You know what I'm saying? Because even though it's connected to me, it's not close to me. It's not personal. But I can tell you this. I remember one Saturday evening, about 11 o'clock, 27 years ago, I got a phone call. I said, Roger, Dad's going to be with Jesus. It was different. Because it was personal and it was real. It was real. And you know what? I've been affected by that for 27 years. Oh, yeah. You said, what, are you still mourning? No. Do I still miss him? Yeah, because he's real. It was real in my life. I say that because what happened with Zacchaeus. He had to get past the crowd. 
He couldn't just be going with the right crowd in the right direction, but he had to make it personal so it became real to him. His story's different. His story's different than the other fellows that we've looked at so far. So what he does, he runs ahead. He tries to get beyond the crowd. I think Zacchaeus knew a little bit more about wanting to see Jesus than some of us do. He said, I'm I'm going to put myself in a position. I'm going to do everything I can to see Jesus. So he runs ahead of the crowd. He gets beyond it, and he makes an effort. And you know what? That effort is not going to change a whole lot because just catching a glimpse of Jesus wasn't enough. He needed more than that. He needed a relationship with Jesus. So this is a different kind of story. We know all the details to Moses, David, Manasseh. All the things that we've talked about, all those hideous, terrible things, we know all the details of. But with Zacchaeus, we don't know some things. Matter of fact, his story is is more like mine and more like yours than David's is. I don't have that adultery, that act of adultery in my life. I know what Jesus taught about motives, and I know what he taught about um, uh, thinking those things and thoughts and all. But I can tell you, I think I can relate to Zacchaeus maybe a little more than I can relate to Moses or David or Manasseh. You say, why? Because everything about my story, you don't know either. You don't know everything about my story. I don't know everything about your story. And with Zacchaeus, we know one little glimpse, and we sing a happy ditty about it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And we go on and on. And then we get to the point, we say, Jesus says to him, and how did you do it? When you were in, when you were in preschool or uh, kindergarten and you were singing this song, what did you do when you got to this point when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down? You know what you did? You took that old pointy finger of yours and you said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm coming to your house today, Right? That's what you did. It almost seems, it almost seemed like he was being scolded. Right? Zacchaeus, you come down. And we get our mean voice on when we say that. Jesus wasn't scolding anybody. Jesus was saying, Zacchaeus, this is something. Zacchaeus, as much as you need to know me, I want you to know this is more about me than it is about you. Can I tell you this? Your salvation is more about Christ than it is about you. He says that Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I guess I'm just going to go here because I'm going to try to fill in some of the gaps. He says, Zacchaeus, pure. Did you hear the song being played during the offertory? He knows my name. He knows you for who you are and what you can be. Not just what you are. They, the Pharisees, they looked at him and said, he's a sinner. Look at him. He's nothing but a sinner. He's a thief. He's a crook. Look at him. And Jesus is going to eat lunch with him. Hallelujah for that. He knows your name. So Jesus looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Let me see what he says. He says, 
Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. This is a divine imperative. It's like when he walked through uh, to Samaria and he was going to speak with the woman at the well. I must needs go through here. This is a divine moment for me. He says, and I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus. What I find interesting about that is that he says, I'm going to abide there. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to stay with you until everything I need to accomplish in your life has been accomplished. I must needs. I must abide at your house today. And what I find different about the response here, you can read David's response in Psalm 51, and there's a great deal of remorse and genuine repentance. And I thank God for that. You can look at Moses, and Moses humbled himself before God used him to go deliver the message from the great I am. And Manasseh, Manasseh found himself repenting and coming back to destroying all the wicked things that he had set up. But Zacchaeus is different. Zacchaeus hears the command of Christ and he comes down, receives him joyfully. He said, man, I can't tell you how happy I am that you're going to come spend some time with me. And he goes, they go to Zacchaeus' house. Now, I want to pause for a second. In Luke chapter 5, we have another little story. In Luke chapter 5, and verse 27, And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican. Another one of them tax collectors. Now, this is not a chief publican here. This is just a regular old everyday tax collector. All right? His name Levi. You may also know him as Matthew. Sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me. Can you imagine that? You're doing your dirty deed, you're working, you're doing the thing that you know the majority of your own people, they hate you because of what you're doing. And Jesus, the one that's the miracle worker, he comes by and he says, follow me. And you know... You know things will be different if you follow him. So, he left all, rose up, followed him. And Levi, Matthew, made him a great feast in his own house. Matthew goes to his house, has a great feast, and there was a great company of publicans. And of others that sat down with them. Now, I don't know for certain. But I'm thinking this. Matthew left his job as a tax collector. And he goes home and he makes a feast. And he says, I'm going to get all my buddies. I'm going to get everybody I know that's a tax collector to come be at this feast with Jesus. Maybe he sent out invitations. I don't know. Maybe he just sent out a word. Maybe I don't know, but it says he filled his house with other folks just like him, publicans. I'm thinking, I don't know for certain, but I'm thinking maybe Matthew would have invited his boss, the chief publican. Maybe 
I don't know, there's a gap in that story that I don't know how it's filled. But maybe Zacchaeus saw Jesus then. Maybe he was in the house. I don't know. But what I do know, something stirred Zacchaeus. And when Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, he responded with joy. You know, (laughs) the story looks a little different. Maybe, well, wait a minute. Maybe his story is not so much different than yours. Maybe when you trusted the Lord, or maybe when you had, maybe you had a friend trust the Lord. But maybe, just maybe, it was somebody close to you that helped you come to an understanding that Jesus could change your life. Might not have been the preacher. You see him once a week, maybe. You hear him. Maybe you heard some guy on the radio. Maybe you listened to the scripture. Maybe you read the scripture for yourself. But a lot of times, you come to know the Lord because of somebody else that you know that knows the Lord. Am I right? Maybe as a parent that showed you truth and sang you the little song when you were little. If you had a parent that did that for you, you need to rejoice. Zacchaeus was blinded by things that it appeared he had no control over. His story was different. It's filled with gaps. We don't know all the details. But what I know is this. Maybe he heard truth. Maybe he spent time with Jesus before. Some people think he was the publican that beat against his chest and said, um, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Some think it was Matthew. Some think it was Zacchaeus. Some think it may have been some other publican. I don't know. But I can tell you, every one of us that's ever come to know Jesus Christ had to come to a point where we looked at ourselves and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what I'm talking about? You had to be there. You had to be there. If not, you're still going there. If you haven't gotten to that point where you recognize who you were as a sinner before a holy God, then maybe you're still on the path. Maybe you're still looking for a tree to climb. Maybe you're still waiting for Jesus to call you by name. Just listen. Listen. He'll call you for what you are. Zacchaeus, come down. Because I'm going to spend some time with you. And I'm going to change your life. We don't know anything else about Zacchaeus other than this. There's a large building in Jericho today called the House of Zacchaeus. Maybe it still stands. Maybe it's still a monument to this wee little man. This wee little man. But let me just... Share this with you. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. What Zacchaeus did, his statement before the Lord here demonstrates a repentant heart. He recognized himself for what he was. He knew he was a thief. You know what he didn't know? He didn't know how much he had stolen. He uses a passage in the Old Testament. A thief was supposed to restore, in the book of Leviticus it says, a thief is supposed to restore what he stole and a fifth of that on top of it. In the book of Exodus it says that if you did something to a sheep or whatever, you're supposed to respond it fourfold, livestock or whatever. Zacchaeus is saying, I don't really know how much I've stolen from people. I don't know how much I've taken, but I'm going to give half of what I have. I'm going to give it back. And I'm going to, I'm going to be involved with restitution four times over just to cover it. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the woman at the well. She went back to the town and she said, come see a man that told me everything ever I did. Well, he didn't. He didn't tell her everything. All he said is, look. He said, look. You had a bunch of husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. That's the only thing he told her. But you know what she saw? She saw that all of her life was covered in sin. That's where we get to when we recognize, to get to the point where we can truly see things as he wants us to see them. We must see ourselves for what we are. The Pharisees were right. He was a sinner. He was a thief. He was a crook. And so were they. You know what? I don't need to look at everybody else near as much as I look at my, need to look at myself. As Zacchaeus came before a holy God, Christ changed him. He said, today, I'm going to make a difference for you. In the last verse, I just want to go over this for just a moment. He says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is, if you look through the scripture, you will find out each of these terms, seek, save, and lost, all pertains to the shepherd. And here, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd of our souls, said, this is why I've come. And Zacchaeus' story has changed forever. He's had a comeback to be where he should be. I see him as pure because of what I'm going to do for him. He comes back. And he is. He responds to a holy God, accepts that forgiveness, and his life is changed. Today, salvation has come to this house. We always think about salvation pertaining to Zacchaeus. Other places in the scripture, it says salvation came to a house and the whole household got saved. I don't know all that is expected or explained through this particular phrase, but I can tell you this. Lives were changed because they spent time with Jesus. And he rejoiced. Your comeback, your story, may be a whole lot more like Zacchaeus's than Moses's or David's or Manasseh. And if it is... I want you to express extreme joy for what Christ has done in your life. If you don't know him yet, today can be the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.
for being a holy God. And I thank you for a narrative that we often call a children's story. But Lord, I ask that you help us to see it through the lens of Christ. And help us to see it from a perspective that this life was different, but the need was the same. His story was filled with gaps, much like ours. But the reality is he needed the same thing that each of these others with a comeback had experienced. Failure certainly is not the end. And let us rejoice in all that you've chosen to do in our lives. We thank you for it. Help us, Lord, to be those that share truth and see people restored instead of taking a condemning perspective on those that may have a life different than ours. And we love you in Jesus' name.